you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 70. Did you know that North Korea was once a thriving center of Christian worship? Hanyang, the capital, was known as the Jerusalem of the East in the early 1900s because of its 2,000-plus churches. But when the Kim family began to lead, they set themselves up as divine beings. And they created a kind of a pseudo-religion called Jucha, based on the tenets of self-reliance, autonomy, and independence. Under this oppressive regime, currently led by Kim Jong-un, Christians have been forced to worship in underground settings. Jucha is distinctly a North Korean religious ideology that requires worship and subservience to the Kim family. And Christianity is considered subversive. And it's brutally oppressed or opposed. Anyone discovered to be a Christian or to express any interest in Christ or the Bible is considered an enemy of the state. Did you know that? Yeah. I wonder why some of you were looking at me like that. You, you thought you had deja vu there for a minute? Yeah. And I'm sure some of you might have been thinking, like, uh-oh, Dale's finally lost it. He, he's just totally forgot what he preached last week. Because when people get older, they tend to repeat themselves, right? Have you noticed that? And a lot of times they forget that they've repeated themselves. So for them, it's fresh and it's new. But for you, it's like I've heard this five times. So why am I repeating myself this morning? Because I'm old. Amen. This is true. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at two Psalms, 70 and 71, that were written by David at the end of his life. A time when he's much older then we, when, he, when we started um, book two of Psalms, just a quick reminder on where we are in the progression of the books of Psalms. Uh, the first book of Psalms covers the time from when David was anointed king up to the time that he became the king of Israel. Then book two of Psalms picks up at David's inauguration, at, at the celebration where the sons of Korah are entering the, the temple and they're celebrating the ascendancy of the king. And by the end of book two, David is an old man. And as you will see in Psalm 72, David is enthroning his successor, Solomon, while also looking forward to his ultimate successor in a couple of weeks when Jamie preaches on Psalm 72. And in these two Psalms, Psalm 70 and 71, large portions of them are him saying the exact same thing he's already said. Matter of fact, all of Psalm 70 is a repeat from a previous psalm. And we might be tempted to chalk this up to old age. David's getting older. He's saying the same thing. But remember, we believe that this 
book is not just an ordinary book written by a man. It's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe this repetition is actually the key to understanding the deeper message of these two psalms. In addition to these two psalms, I hope to show you a pattern that can be seen in almost all of the psalms up until this point. This pattern, I believe, is affecting every single person in the room this morning. And because of that, I'm going to do something a little different with these two psalms. Instead of looking verse by verse through both of them, I want to instead focus your attention on the pattern. Because again, a lot of what's said in these two psalms, David has already said multiple times. And so I want to focus in on that pattern. So let's first look at the direct sections that David copied from himself. Um, Psalm 70 is almost verbatim a copy of Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17. So what I'm going to do, if you'll put Psalm 70 on the screen, I'm going to read Psalm 40 while he scrolls through Psalm 70. It says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. And then we see this same pattern repeated in Psalm 71 with the first couple of verses being pulled from Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame in your righteousness. Deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Now these are pretty much directly lifted from these two psalms. But the rest of this psalm is also taken from different parts of David's previous life. And I think it's important here to understand this connection that David, the the older man, is looking back to David, the younger man, and he's praying some of the same things he prayed when he was a younger man, again, for a reason. I don't think this is just David recycling material and I need one more song, right? I need to, I need to round out the number here, right? There's a point here That is the point. David suffered painfully. He had all of these troubles despite being, despite God's love for him and his godliness. This is something we've seen throughout the book of Psalms. That that David is a man after God's own heart, as 1 Samuel 13, 14 says, who, who received God's promises for an eternal kingship. If there were a person that we might be tempted to think would be exempt from deadly trials, it would be him, right? 
And yet time after time in the Psalms, we find David crying out for God's help like we see here again in Psalm 70 and 71. And this repetition of material from earlier in David's life just reinforces the idea that the the kind of persecution he experienced at the beginning of his life is returning at the end of his life. The repetition of the words of Psalm 40 in the body of Psalm 70 indicates that David prayed the same kind of things about the same kinds of enemies on different occasions in his life. The parallels between the persecutors and the persecuted one and the prayers that David is praying suggest a pattern of behavior. David is teaching us that there is a pattern in his life. Pattern of persecution, a pattern of suffering, and a pattern that that God gives way to exaltation in his life, right? When Saul is trying to keep him from ascending to the throne, he is hunting him, he is persecuting him, he is suffering, and yet God exalts him to being the king. And this repetition of the pattern in David's life causes us to anticipate more of this kind of thing in the future. And it lays a foundation of expectation for more leaders. David is looking back at Israel's history. Remember how we talked about in the last couple of uh, sermons that, that he used the flood narrative. He used the Exodus narrative. And he, he overlaid those onto his life. This, this idea of suffering, persecution, exaltation. right? And, and he's mapping out the, the, the previous generation's Onto his life. David's thinking back to people like Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. One of the first recorded human trafficked victim that we know. And that led to persecution and suffering. False, falsely accused. Falsely imprisoned. But God. But God. Through that suffering led to exaltation. Right? ultimately being able to save his family's people. He thinks back to Moses and how the people suffered, but but God, through that suffering, heard their groans and exalted them and brought them to the promised land. And, And this is the pattern that I want to draw our attention to this morning. We suffer, we are persecuted, and then we are exalted. See, I think far too many of us just want to be exalted. And and we miss this pattern that we see over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Is that first comes the suffering. First comes the persecution. Then the exaltation. And the repeated instances of persecution along with David's repeated prayers uh, to God, establish an expectation that the future king from David's line will also face unjust persecution. And this pattern is foreshadowing that this future king will follow David's example and rely on God, praying for guidance and protection. 
And that then God will exalt him. As someone that is getting older, I can say that this pattern is a pattern I see playing out over and over and over in my own life. And in the lives of those I love. Now, I don't know where you're at in this pattern this morning. Maybe you come in this morning entering into a time of suffering. Your your suffering is just beginning. Maybe you're in the middle of it. Perhaps you're coming out of a period of suffering. And maybe this morning you've just been rescued from suffering. No matter where you are in this pattern, the one thing is, the, the one thing that we all have in common this morning is that we are somewhere in this pattern. That this is something that draws us together and unifies us as God's people. If you think about it, this is also the pattern of sin. Right? Sin, sin is that thing where basically we're doing the opposite of what God wants us to do. And, and we, in our flesh, choose that sin. And if it's not for the, for the quickening of the Holy Spirit, if it's not for the, 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 the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we remain in that suffering. But we think we're getting what we want. God knows that we are suffering in that sin. And then God comes and pulls us out of that sin as we confess and repent and turn away from that sin. This is a pattern that we all struggle with in our lives. And when we find ourselves in this pattern of suffering, like David, in Psalm 71.1, we need to cry out to God. You see, some of you have probably been struggling with book two of Psalms. And I say that just because of little things I hear every once in a while. This seems to be saying the same thing over and over again. Yes, it does. But there's also a reason you need to hear the same thing over and over and over again. Because we're so quick to forget. We're so quick to be self-reliant. We're we're so quick to trust in ourselves instead of turning to God. And so this pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament, we see throughout the book of Psalms and David's life, it needs to lead us to the place to where we say what David says in verse 1, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. I'm not taking refuge in myself. I'm not taking refuge in what I know. I'm not taking refuge in how much of the Bible I know. I'm taking refuge in you. In you. That that is where I'm putting all of my hope this morning, is in you. Now jump down to verse 13. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. 
It's okay for us to pray that those who are opposing us are put to shame. That David is being honest and open here. But it's, what's interesting here is that, that word accusers there. It's the Hebrew root word for where we get the title Satan. Satan is not a name. You realize, like, never in the Bible does God give so much dignity to the enemy to give him a name. He only has titles. And that title, Satan, is accuser. That, that's, it comes from that root word. He, he is what? The great accuser. And so we got David here saying, may my accusers... In other words, David is saying, let the Satans or the accusers be put to shame. Now jump down to 24. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. David opens this psalm in Psalm 71 with this idea of being put to shame. He doesn't want to be put to shame. And then it shows up again in the middle. And then again it shows up at the end letting us know that this is an important theme of what David is trying to communicate in this psalm. David, even though he's suffering, does not want to be ultimately, ultimately be put to shame. And how does David expect this to be accomplished? Look at what Psalm 71 teaches us this morning, is that it's only through God's righteousness. Jump back up to verse 2. In your righteousness... Deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. And then jump down to verses 15 and 16. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone not not my righteousness not all the times i got it right your righteousness and yours alone and then again in verse 24 and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long and these two concepts seem to be intertwined here in this psalm this morning it is it is just of god as one theologian put it, to protect David due to his humility, repentance, and reliance on the Lord. And similarly, it is just of God to overcome and humiliate David's adversaries because of their pride, because of their lack of repentance, because of their arrogance and their attempts to seize control of God's kingdom. And that's what's happening here at the end of David's life. Is David has these sons that are jockeying for position to try to steal the throne. Instead of David's true descendant, Solomon, to get the throne the way God intended. They're, they're trying to usurp God and make it happen by military coups or public opinion, whatever method they're trying to do, what they're really trying to do is seize control from God and say, I'm going to do it myself. And so it is just for God to dismay their plans, to, to just dismiss them completely. 
And this pattern persists throughout the Psalms from start to finish. And at no point in the Psalms does David express a complete loss of trust or reliance on God. There's a pattern of persecution. There's a pattern of suffering. There's a pattern of exaltation. And in the midst of that pattern, we see David consistently crying out to the Lord for help. And nowhere in the Psalms do we see David completely rejecting his trust and reliance in God. I think that's important for us this morning as we go through those cycles of suffering and exaltation. That we remember and cry out to God and not lose hope, not lose faith and trust in the one person this morning that can save us. Despite encountering all kinds of situations and and challenges as as the leader that that David faced, he he was in real heartfelt distress fleeing the kingdom at times because of the oppressors that were trying to usurp him and take control. There was never a rejection of his commitment to depend on God. This morning, you may find yourself in all kinds of difficulties. Maybe it's a mess of your own making. Maybe it's a mess of someone else's making this morning. But like David, we need to consistently reflect a resilient trust in God this morning. Rather than abandoning it. Which can so often be our temptation when we find ourselves struggling. When we find ourselves in a a place where we just don't see the way out. Right? We're, We're oftentimes tempted to run through the scenario, what if God isn't there? What if God isn't my rock? What if I have to do this all by myself? Right? That, that, that's a temptation. I, I don't know about your heart, but I, when I found myself in those situations, at least the thought pops into my brain, maybe you've got it all wrong. Right? Again, the great accuser doing his greatest work. And yet David is resilient in his trust in God rather than abandoning it. I think we can learn a lot from that this morning. The the main overarching thing that we see in the whole book of Psalms, book one and two so far, is David relying on God. Trusting in Him and Him alone. This morning, you need to trust in the Lord. If you've not already Put your faith and trust in Him. You need to call out to Him to rescue you. You need to rely on the Lord this morning. If you have, you need to thank Him for for every good thing you experience in this life. David, in this psalm, he's appealing 
to God's righteousness. But what he's really appealing to is God's character, right? God's righteousness is just a part of who he is. It's just a part of his character as God. These are David's prayers. He's modeling for us how we need to pray that God would be faithful, not to us, but to his character. Again, like we saw last week with David, he's like, look, this isn't about me. I don't want your name put to shame, Lord. Right? David is more concerned about the character of God than he is about himself. Now, does David want out of that situation? Absolutely. But what's what's he praying for? For God's character. He's modeling for us that we need to pray that God is faithful to his character. God knows that God is righteous. And David wants God to be his rock that you see in verse 3. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 3. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Now this seems awful presumptuous on David's part, doesn't it? You, you have given the command? <laughs> like, like, he already knows. H- how does he know that God has given the command? I believe David here is clinging to the promises that God has made him. The promises that, that God made to David, that David was made king through the prophet Samuel based on what God said. That God also promised to raise up David's descendant to be king. This, I believe, is why David is so confident that God will give command here in verse 3. David believes that God will defend him and defeat his enemies. And this morning, I would encourage you to pray the same way. Confidently pray prayers that are rooted in in God's promises and his character. This is, this is an important takeaway, I think, from Psalm 70 and 71 this morning. That, that we need to be praying based on God's promises to us as his people. But listen, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to study your Bible. And you're going to have to understand what promises are for you, Christian. Because not all those promises made to Israel are for you to just grab and say, okay, this is mine. We've got to be people of the book. We've got to get into the word. We've got to find out where has God promised us? What has God promised us? And then pray those promises in our life. One final takeaway this morning from these psalms is the importance of being thankful. We're we're entering a season where our culture in this country celebrates a time of thankfulness. We call it Thanksgiving. We see David modeling what it should look like as a Christian to be thankful in this psalm. Look again at verses 15 and 16. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come, I will remind them of your righteousness and yours alone. And then again at the 
at verse 24, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. This morning, do you find yourself regularly praising God? And and, and I don't just mean regularly as in once a week for 20 minutes before a sermon. That's a part of it. I'm not taken away from that. But do you find yourself regularly talking about the mighty deeds of the Lord? Or do you find yourself taking the credit? I worked hard for where I'm at. I was diligent. I saved. I was wise. Forgetting who gave you the brain to even be able to do any of that. Some of you know the story about how I was able um, to get my master's degree, but it, it still amazes me to this day. And as I was thinking about this, this is one of those stories in the, in the history and life of Church on the Way and me personally that like, it, it just amazes me. There, there was a group of pastors that we would get together uh, and eat fried chicken. I know it's shocking. Once a month, we, we would get together, we would talk, we would share. And, um, and, a, and a God had been dealing with me and working with me of like, hey, you, you need to go back to seminary. Like you need to, there's some things you need to learn basically and stop being quite so stupid. So um, I was like, yeah, but how can I afford that? Like at the time, you know, there, there was no money. <laughs> um, and God's like, this is what you got to do. I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to do it. Yeah, you ever pray those kind of prayers? God's like, do something. He's like, okay, well, you're going to have to do it because I don't know how it's going to happen. And I go to that next meeting that next month and a pastor that had never been to our pastor's meeting and never came back to it showed up and we were talking at the beginning and he's like, hey, do any of y'all need to go to seminary? And I was like, well, yeah. He's like, all right, well, talk to me afterwards. I was like, okay. I talked to him afterwards and he told me about this scholarship and he's like, here, go apply here. Da, 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 da. You know, you should be fully covered as a church planner. It'll be taken care of. And I was like, that's too good to be true. There's a catch here somewhere. No. Completely paid for. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and like, I mean, I'm still friends with this pastor and I still think about it. And I tried to help another pastor get the scholarship after I finished and the scholarship didn't exist anymore. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. I, I mean, I, I think about the, the building that we are sitting in right now. To, to imagine and think that someone would ever just say, hey, here is a building for you for free. It just, it blows my mind to see what God has done and continues to do. And and as I look out here and I survey your faces, I, I know so many of your stories and so many but God moments from your lives. 
Are you sharing those stories? Are you retelling and rehearsing and letting people know the righteous acts of God the way David is? Again, we we are coming up on a season where you are given full license to be thankful. I want to encourage you this morning to be prepared for Thanksgiving lunch. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week with being thankful. But, but even now, be thinking about what can you as a family share at the dinner table about God's goodness? And how can that be a testimony to your family? Not, not I'm going to beat you over the head with the Bible and I'm going to beat you over the head with the gospel. But let me tell you about how good my God is. What he has done for me. There's one tradition, and I want to give credit um, to Johnny, because I think Johnny was the one that first told me about it, Johnny Peace. Um, but, and if you, if you have not heard about this, I would, I would encourage you to do this. Um, a lot of times in counseling, I recommend people do this, but, but go and buy yourself like a pickle jar or just better yet go to Sam's, get a big jar of pickles, eat the pickles, <laughs> then wash the jar out and, and have, have this clear jar of whatever kind you want sitting on your counter. And every time God brings you through something, just write just enough of a note and a date so that you will remember what that was. And put that rock or whatever, could be notes folded up, into the jar. And again, somewhere visible so that as you're walking through the house, you just, you, you're always seeing that jar. And then at times like Thanksgiving, dump it out on the table. And, and just remember the times. I, I had a young mother recently who was struggling with all the things that young mothers First-time mothers struggle with, right? Every time the baby sneezes or gets a fever, it's like, it's the end of the world. And, and so I encouraged her. I was like, do this. And her baby just had RSV, had to go to the hospital. And I was like, this is a good first rock. And she was like, you're right, it is. And she wrote it down. God delivered my baby through RSV and the hospital visit. And so she is beginning to plant rocks. And now when we talk about things from parenting, she, she does it in the form of, that was another rock, right? That, that was another story I'm putting in there so that one day when he's old enough, I can tell him the stories of how God faithfully provided for him and saved him. And, and maybe this morning, as you get older, you tend to forget. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm speaking to myself But the older we get, the more we forget the things that God has done for us. And I think there's a reason why over and over in the Old Testament, God tells the Israelites, stack up a bunch of stones so that every time you pass by, you will remember what was done here this day. All of those feasts and traditions, they were about reminding the Israelites of God's deliverance. It's not about the stuff. It's about the God behind the stuff. And as we get older, again, we tend to forget. 
And it's good for us to be able to have a way to pull out and just remember how God has been faithful to us and to praise him. David, we see in these psalms, was in many ways a true type of his greater descendant, Jesus. Despite being perfectly obedient, Jesus, the Son of God, Isaiah tells us that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And if this is true for David and Jesus, This morning, it shouldn't shock us that that we would be surrounded by enemies who want nothing but our harm. Peter warned, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And we, we live in a country that is so peaceful and so easy for the most part that we are often surprised when anything happens to us that's not easy. But I hope that you have seen through weeks of repetition this pattern of persecution, suffering, but then exaltation. Because no matter where you're at in that cycle, if you cling to God like David did, like Jesus did, if you cling to him and what he has done, you will be exalted. It's a promise. Not necessarily in this life, but ultimately you will be exalted to rule and reign with him forever. And listen, I know this is all you know, But forever is better than 20 years. Forever is better for some of you young ones than 50 years. Forever is better. And you will be exalted if he is your refuge, if he is your rock, if he is your strength. This morning, like David, you need to trust the Lord. Like David, you need to rely on the Lord. Like David, if you have not already, you need to call out to him to rescue you this morning. And if you have, like David, you need to thank him for every good thing you experience in this life. Let's pray.